Hey guys, welcome to the Bagging Broadcast, episode number 341. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out June 7th, 2017. 2000s. 2000s. We followed up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's time for our monthly trade and policy, where we take a look at a trade paperback or original graphic novel that we we want to take a look at and discuss. And this, time and this we're week it was it was a Paul pick, right? No, this was a Chris pick. Oh, but I hated this book. How? Okay, we'll, we'll oh, talk to it uh, because this is Marvel's Vision, Volume One, Little Worse Than a Man, written by Tom King, art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta. Uh, and as always, we always start an episode out with drinking. Paul and I are almost finished with our beer, and this is from Millhouse Brewing Company. Uh, they are out of Poughkeepsie, New York, and we are drinking their cucumber cream ale. Yeah, this is something that uh, I picked up on a friend's recommendation. Hey, thanks, hey. friend John. It was me. Uh, he said, "Oh, this is a perfect after doing a lot of yard work beer." I did not I did. say that. I said this is the perfect beer to have at a picnic. Oh, if you're having picnic. a hot dog and potato salad. This cucumber beer, because I get a nice cucumberiness to it. It's not overpowering, but the cucumber is there. It's a crushable, easy-drinking beer. And, man, I mean, on this nose, it's huge cucumber. Yeah, it's a nice spicy kind of cucumber, which is weird that you wouldn't think. I get a little bit of spice on the nose a little. as well with cucumber. But it's cucumber. Mm-hmm. And I think you get a nice, easy-drinking beer with a good cucumberness to it. Right. I think as you drink it, if you're drinking it outside in a can like I have, the warmer it gets, that cucumber just fades right away. And too cold, it's so crisp that I kind of – so it's – right now, I think this is a perfect temperature. This is the temperature you kind of want to drink it at. I, I, I disagree. Okay. I feel from start – and I have like one sip left in my mm-hmm. glass. And these are tall boy cans. Paul and I – we split, split this one because of the other beers we're going to be doing. Um, but, I mean, like, as soon as you take this beer into your mouth, it is cucumberiness. Mm-hmm. It's it's there on the palate in the mouth before you've even swa- swallowed. It just has this great feeling of cucumber. I, I think this is a great cucumber. I mean, I never thought I would <laughs> enjoy <laughs> a cucumber beer, but I think this is perfect. I think this is a perfect cucumber beer. Yeah. Uh, a cream ale that I actually like. But it, I think maybe it just suffers from that cream ale where I put on it that I want that, you know, like nice, almost like a milk stout. Like, uh, but what cream ale has that? It, none so far. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, mouth like feel. what you want is just a nitro milk stout. Yeah. Oh, no, man, no. could you imagine this, a nitro? Hey, now, maybe that, that maybe I if it say. was on nitro and it would have that nice creamy quality to it, like when you actually drink it. Um, maybe that would be it. But even, even like when I think of a cream soda, it has that creaminess to it. That comes from like the vanilla. Yeah, <laughs> and this is cucumber. I don't know this. See, my, my I, it just doesn't hit me. It's it's yes, cucumbers there, but it's I'm kind of like oh, after having a few sips, I'm kind of done with it. I'm like, Ugh. I wouldn't say I would want to drink an entire. It comes in a four pack for eight ninety nine. 
I would not say, oh, I'm going to drink this entire four pack. The tall boy's too much for me. That's what, also like I kind of get like, oh, uh, okay. If I was at a picnic and I'm also eating, and it takes me a full hour to drink it, maybe I would enjoy it more. But and maybe I've been drinking it wrong. I've been doing a lot of yard work and like, oh, cucumber cream ale. I'm like, oh, this will be perfect. It'll be like cucumber water. It'll crush my thirst, which I don't feel like it really does. It's I would rather drink a crushable IPA right after doing all that yard work versus this. And picnic, maybe it would work a little bit. Better, See, I think I think I've been to two picnics this year already. And did you bring this beer? No, because right, you, and did, I'm just, you, you did it wrong. <laughs> And both times, I'm like, I wasn't thinking, oh, I wish I had that cucumber beer now. See, I, I, I will say it's been extremely hot down here in Florida. Mm-hmm. And last week, or maybe the week before, I picked up a sampler pack. It was the Shock Top, like, summer thing. I don't even remember what they called it. But it had four different beers in there. All of those were completely crushable, perfect for a hot day. Mm. Because there's really nothing to it, but they're crisp, they're refreshing. You put them in the refrigerator... There was like a ruby red, like shandy that was fantastic. Like, how was the? It was, the, ba- it was basically just like water. How was, was the so citrus good. one in that? Um, it, it would have been the green. There was like, the green there was like two one. different citrus ones. Um, there's one that I think you can only get in there. I forget yeah. what it was called. I would have to look back at my Untapped. Um, it was it was good though. Everything in there, like it was fantastic, and I picked it up at Walmart for like twelve dollars. It was like really cheap for the twelve pack. Um, dollar per beer. Really enjoyed it. It's not something I'd be like, oh my god, like it's. I think I would still put them out like a three, mm-hmm. but just for something like get home like ninety degree day, you're sweating, you feel gross, you just want something better than water. Like yeah, it it scratched that itch. Uh, I just want to say I have I. I think nothing of cream ales, mm-hmm. and this beer I think delivers to me with the, what I expect out of it. With I want cucumber flavor. If you're calling it a cucumber beer, mm-hmm. and I yeah. think it delivers on that. I think this would go great with food. I don't think thirst, thirst, th- 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 quenching thirst beer <laughs> after hand after uh-huh. like hand mowing, you know, push mowing your yard. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think this would work, but I think sitting down as a okay. picnic beer, which I sold it as, is yeah, a that's picnic true. beer. It is a picnic. That's why you said it. Uh, I think this would be great. And I enjoyed drinking this right now. Like, I enjoyed it. It says, I, I do enjoy the uh, the whole label marketing of it uh, as well. It's got a uh, very graphic design, which is what brought me us uh, originally to, uh, whatchamacallit, the one that I don't like, but you guys like to a uh, six-point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and on the back it says, best enjoyed responsibly, relaxing session, hip living. I, don't, I thought it was funny, the hip living, because it's uh, glasses and a mustache. Yeah. That's the icon. Oh, and the relaxing, too, is like uh, somebody getting... Point is... Uh, the relaxing, the symbol is somebody like with like a mud mask on with cucumbers on their eyes and like mm-hmm. uh, their hair in a towel thing. But I was going to say, six-point is basically the supergirl of beer, where there's nothing wrong with it. Hmm. It's it's good when it's there in front of you. It's enjoyable, and after you're done, you're like, yeah, hey, I can have another. Uh, Six Point just rebranded <laughs> all their boxes and stuff, and reformulated all their beers. Hmm. Um, so the the same line is going to be there: the Bengali, the Resin Double IPA, um, 
the sweet action, which is like a, it's a cream ale. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they're all, uh, all those are getting uh, reformulated. I did like the. Oh, see, I like was, I like the Bengali. I like the diesel. Yeah, they're dark beer. Mm-hmm. The diesel is good. Um, yeah. But I think we can all just pick one, not a whole, not like one or two, which I kind of want. John's thinking. That's what the silence is. <laughs> it's really well, like formulating uh, in my head. While you're, while you're thinking, um, talk about my beer, and today I'm actually drinking Elysian Space Dust IPA. Um, I do enjoy that one. I found this at Publix. It's been a little while since I had it. I, I'm really digging it, though. Um, I picked up a six-pack of it, and it's just been kind of my go-to day-drinking one. Mm-hmm. It's really not too big. I mean, it's 8.2%, but you don't feel it. It's got a nice citrus hop on it kind of a smooth bitterness that really it doesn't linger too well um, or too much I should oh, okay. say it, it's, it, it lingers well mm-hmm. but not long but yeah it, it's not an overwhelming bitter um, I know you guys loved the I can't remember what brewery it was from but the zombie dust well zombie dust is one of those kind of for us uh, grail beers where it's just really hard to find and, and but even then like it wasn't it wasn't great like I think that one just Kind of became the beer advocate, like, oh, this is hard to find, so it's going to be really good. Because mm-hmm. when I went to that one, I I did not care for it. Um, Space Dust, I'm really enjoying this. It kind of makes me want the Super Fuzz though, which That's was very similar, but a lot more of like the citrus on it. Mm-hmm. It was like that orange rind, which I I love orange in my beers. Like I don't I don't care how basic it is, but um, I just saw Felician, Super Fuzz so, in the so uh, really good after being bought out by who was it Budweiser or like. In bed, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't had anything, I think, from them since that happened. But yeah, you know, it's still still standing on their own. Still appreciate it. Uh, no, Super Fuzz is in the stores now, Chris. At least I saw it up here in the store. Oh, is so it? Keep your eyes I open. Ha- I haven't been to my beer store in a little bit, so I might have to go check it out. <clears throat> Wait, so was this in a big a bomber size? or <clears throat> No, this was a six-pack. Wow, I have not seen it in a six-pack. I haven't been able to bring it into my store. <clears throat> Space dust in a six pack or mm-hmm. in bomber either. Either, yeah. I've See, it, I, that premiere. I went to the grocery store down the street from my house the other day just to get stuff for dinner, and I was like, oh, you know, I'll grab some beer to have, just to drink. And they only had like this one from Elysian there, and I was like, oh my god, like, of course I'm going to grab that one. Like, why not? Just keep on going because Publix and Wegmans are tied for uh, number one. You know, and yeah, Wegmans which is, is really weird because honestly, Wegmans is so much better than Publix is. Yeah, just go to the beer section and just ask to see the store manager and be like, "Oh, you don't have that? Ah, this is why Wegmans is number one," and just walk out <laughs> until they start getting better at their beer section. That's what you should. Well, do. and that's the thing. Like being down here, I'm like the champion of Wegmans. I'm always like talking their praises, and then someone was like, "Oh, Publix tied for first with Wegmans." I was like. Yeah, Publix isn't that great. It's basically a step up from any other grocery store that you have here. But if you went and compared it to a Wegmans, you'd just be awestruck. Check I, the, check I the, agree. Check the BuzzFeed articles, people. Yeah, look them up. See what so many BuzzFeed about. articles about Wegmans. Makes, Wegmans makes sense. Is fucking great. But anyways, it is the cats we're of the internet. About, we're not here to talk about supernet, supernet news, <laughs> supernet news, supermarket news. Uh, thousands. It's it's one more thousand than we had last uh, decade, last millennium. 
I don't know. That's... Episode title, Supernet News. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so do we want to start off with uh, Box Office Mojo and getting running down let's, all let's the movie do releases? Let's yeah, do it, it. It's, right. it's been a while since we've done a Box Office Movie Bracket update. Yeah. Bunch of stuff's come out, so why not? All of the movies, not all of them yet, but a lot of them. Like a good quarter. Mm-hmm. So uh, starting us off is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and that uh, opened up with 1465 million dollars of course we're going to have to wait a little while for what is it going Are up you, against is that worldwide or is domestic that domestic yep okay domestic opening weekend it's going up against valerian oh we're going to have to wait a while city of a thousand planets or planet of a thousand cities i can't remember the title mm-hmm. for that one oh uh, they can bring all the planets they want but it's going to get eaten by the living planet uh then we had alien covenant came out after that right yep uh, that opened up with $36.2 million. Wah, wah, wah. But here's the thing. It was enough to beat Baywatch. It, oh, no. No, it's, it's up against... Oh, it's up games. against... No, it's up against Transformers. It's up against, we did put Transformers on the list, guys. Oh. I just forgot. Transformers still hasn't come out. It's coming out soon, right? Like, that's... Uh, Wait, I think what's up against, is that a what's up against of Planet of the Apes? I don't remember. Planet of the Apes is Pirates. Oh, okay. oh and Speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, the last of the pirate movies, supposedly, are the start of the finish end of the story of the Pirates movies. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, but it only opened up with sixty-two, well, $63 million, uh, which is really quite low for, uh, I think, didn't that have a Memorial Day opening weekend? But also, as I was telling you guys at the beginning, like before we started the show, is this Memorial Day was the lowest box office receipt since 1991. Mm, talking about opening up on Memorial Day, we had Baywatch, which opened up with $18.5 million. Again, as the internet said, it did a belly flop. And also, Bro Arthur, I mean, King Arthur, opened up also with only 15.4 But that's not on our list. Oh, King Arthur isn't on no. our list? Oh. oh, okay. The once and future king isn't there. You know who's better with a sword? Wonder Woman? <laughs> yeah, so much better. Uh, but only opened up with $100.5 million, I think is... that's still pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's still really good. They got my money mm-hmm. uh, opening weekend, um, mainly because my wife really wanted to see this. Uh, it's already... But I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the movie. It already uh, cracked uh, into the top 100 of the superhero movies. It's at 82 right now. Uh, comic book adaptation, 101. Uh, World War One movies, number three <laughs> for World War One movies right now. Uh, let's see here. Oh, no, it, it just cracked. It went above for opening weekend. Uh, War Horse and Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, what about All Quiet on the Western Front? What did that do? Uh, Is that on the list? All Quiet on the Western Front is not ranked, <laughs> but it is there because it came out in uh, April 21st, 1930. Well, there's, there was a remake. Oh, well, it's not listed. It was starred John Boy from the Waltons. Mm. And also Big Bill from Stephen King's It. Uh, yeah, so here's the thing, guys. I pretty much lost this because I picked Baywatch to go to the end. Uh, I had it beating the house. I had it beating aliens and I had it beating Dunkirk to go up against Spider-Man. 
So I'm not getting a lot of points. Out of those movies, I think uh, Dunkirk. I have, I have Baywatch going up against Transformers, so time will tell. I'm still looking for my list. I don't know where I put it. How'd this dog get in this room? You let him in this room. Uh, I haven't had a lot of chance to go to the movies yet this summer, but I saw Guardians. Yeah, you Pirates did. You and Wonder Woman are definitely on my list of things to see. Uh, I'll be seeing one of them this Wednesday, and then I'll probably be seeing the other one like this weekend. Um, and then uh, some other movie news. Yeah. Uh, Sony has um, said that they are spinning off from the Spider-Man universe, even though these movies will not be connected to the Spider-Man movie or the Marvel Universe. Uh, they've just recently announced that Tom Hardy has been cast as Venom and that they are working on a movie called like Black and White, which stars uh, Black Cat in Silver Sable. Cause so you know Black how... and White? Why not Black and Silver? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Oakland Raiders? Uh, Los Angeles. I don't know who would remember. That's okay, Paul. I'll just keep walking out of the room. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write that down because that's good. Just keep walking out of the room. Another good title. Who's, who's uh, clamoring for a Silver Sable movie? Super- Sony needs to like, calm their shit down when it comes to this shared Spider-Man universe. Like It fell apart when they were doing Amazing Spider-Man. They they just need to get this out of their head. Like They just need to focus on what works. And that's right now just Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, it they need yeah they need to slow the roll because Silver Sable wasn't even that big of a thing <laughs> when she was popular in the nineties. Like it's because she was on the Spider Man cartoon. She wasn't there. Yeah, that's but, the only place I remember her from. And I mean, to be honest, I would be more interested in just a Black Cat movie. Like mm-hmm. if you're gonna do that, just kind of a a jewel heist, what have you. And I'm not even clamoring for that. I'm just saying, if you're going to make that movie, which they say <laughs> they say they are, that's what I would want. See, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the black cat in a movie, but I don't see it being a black cat movie. Even I see her as just like a tertiary character in Spider-Man Going Home or whatever they're going to wind up calling the next Spider-Man movie. Oh, well, what happens? I would guess Spring Formal. No, uh, yeah, spring form. No, it would be the fall formal because you got the homecoming dance, and then the win the winter formal. I- I'm trying to re- remember all of the dances I never got invited to from high school. <laughs> well, you were invited. You you went to that school, so you were invited oh, right. to it. But you were invited to I it. I guess didn't go. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a date. Didn't ask anyone. It, I was too nervous. They would just say no anyways. <laughs> anyways. But the, see, right. This is going to be depressing, though, because I see Sony going into this, and if they do come out with either of these movies, which the Tom Hardy Venom movie seems probably a stronger possibility that we'll get. If it doesn't perform well, I fear that they're going to go back to the well again when it comes to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much of the deal impacts these movies, because, like you said, they are removed from the Spider-Man universe. It has nothing to tie into with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But do you think Sony can then use this to be like, ah, people don't care about Spider-Man, let's reboot it again? Well, I think Spider-Man is strongly connected to Marvel. I, I think 
they they have Spider Man. They got Spider Man through uh, the next two uh, Avenger movies. So you got to think between the Avengers three and Avengers four or three point five or whatever it is. You're going to have at least one more Spider-Man movie come out between that with uh, Tom Holland. So they have Spider-Man locked up till what, like 2020? No idea. Probably around there because I think Infinity War or whatever they're going to wind up calling it. It's like 2019. Yeah. So I because think... that, that's what leads into the movie that I'm not looking into, Captain Marvel. Yeah. I still have to keep reminding myself of that. Like I will not read anything about it. Uh, what is it? Brie Larson. 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 Yeah, Brie Larson. Larson. Yeah, from um, the room or yeah, she not the not the room, but something else. Something bag. called like something like the yeah. room. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yes. That's uh, thinking of. But I just saw her in um, Skull Island, the King Kong movie. Oh, and she played a pretty good heroine in that. I I, I thought she, I was really focused on her because I was like. Oh, she's gonna be Captain Marvel. I'm gonna really. Oh, she's gonna get that's that's why you don't do Chris when you go see movies because you're not so looking I, I more can't into see it. Skull Island now. Got it. No, Got it. <laughs> you can. Loki's, you just Loki's can't, in that. You just can't ride the ride. So it's Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> He's really good in that. Hmm. John C. Riley. Yeah. Or uh, Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Both of them. I liked. Bo- I liked them all. Any. Uh, uh, what's uh, John Goodman's in it too? Oh. Oh, cool. And uh, what's his name? Um, Nick Fury. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. He's in it too. Hmm. Goodman plays a good character in that. Goodman's always good. He's a good man. (laughs) Oh, I see why you did that. No, I I, I have no hope for these movies. I was excited as I am for Spider-Man now. As soon as you said it was just, just Sony... Involvement. That's kind of, uh, well, it's like reaching too far. Well, here's the thing: it's like I think Venom has been said. It's Tom Hardy starring as Venom. I don't think it's been released if he's going to be the Eddie Brock or if he's going to be Flash Thompson character because there's two different right. Venoms there. But I, I believe it has been said it's going to be like rated R. I think it's going to be more of a, a horror right. kind of movie uh, with him. And I mean, like when you say that now, like that rated R, old man, you know, Logan was rated R, and you know it was just good action. I don't think it was over the top. It wasn't anything unnecessary. Uh, it fit that character, you know. And Deadpool rated R, funny. I mean, it was it was rated R for the violence and for the humor. Of I it. finally watched Deadpool because it was on HBO Go, and I was like, without. The humor and just the overtopness of you know everything, the violence. In, this is like a base level superhero movie. Like yeah. it's a yeah. base level. Like there's nothing else to it. Like well, other it than the be jokes. A Silver Sable movie. Yeah, pretty much. It, it but, is. It was the Supergirl of the superhero movies, <laughs> except they put the veneer of oh, but we're going to take tell outrageous jokes and actually show a guy splattering up on a road sign, like. But, ah, we did it! But that's Deadpool, right? That I mean, that yeah. is he is not a huge action star. He fits with over the top action and humor. Right. And yeah, this, like I mean, name a Deadpool villain. Yeah, you can. Yeah. So they the whole Marvel universe because <laughs> he's always just killing whoever. You know, 
And I think that's that's one of the reasons it works is because you have those. Whoever second- cable points at them, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that. I mean that. I think that works with that character to have mm-hmm. a story like that and characters around him like that. You fit in, you know, Colossus, you know, mm-hmm. like. But he was just the straight man. Exactly. His jokes, yeah. And he should be. And he needed it in that movie because he needed him to. Listen, let's. Not, this yeah. is not time for a review for Deadpool that came out two years ago. <laughs> but I'm afraid. But they did it. They did it, and it worked. It was Fox. They were able to make. It, and I'm afraid that people will keep on going to the well with the rated R, and they'll just like I don't believe Sony can make it work. Can figure out like, oh no, okay, we are telling a baseline, but we need something. And I'm afraid that something that they throw on top of Venom. Like I don't want Venom to kill somebody and then make a like a one line. Yeah, see, comic. I don't think that's that's not what they're gonna do because that's, yeah, that's, so, that's not Sony. That's not character, and that's the, I think the concern is they're not thinking like, okay, let's make a Venom movie, tell a great story using this character because we really haven't had too much of a chance to explore it. It's all right. We're gonna make a Venom movie. It's gonna be R rated. Now what? Yeah, and that's what I'm I think that's what the concern is because of how well stuff like Deadpool and you know Logan has done. Thanks, Chris. For, uh, I agree, hey. and you know, let's hope that they still have Drew Goddard uh, on contract for the Sinister Six movie, and they just switch it over for him to do a, uh, the Venom movie. Because if anyone's going to pull it off, I'd like Drew Goddard to do it. Who's Drew Goddard? Uh, he did Cabin in the Woods. He was oh. showrunner on what, like Buffy. Yeah, he worked on Buffy and Angel with Joss Whedon. I like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah, Cabin in the Woods is great. That's a movie I actually really want to rewatch because I haven't seen it since it came out on DVD. Great horror movie, secret Cthulhu movie. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, speaking of uh, Joss Whedon, uh, with some sad news yeah. for the the Snyder family, um, Scott Snyder stepping away from um, reshoots and finishing editing the Justice League movie due so, to some... Um, a family emergency. A family emergency kind of a thing. His wife is sick? Or? No, no. Um, his, his, one of his daughters passed away. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. So, stepping away from that, we have uh, Joss Whedon, who had signed on to do Batgirl, coming on. And actually, from some of the rumors, he had actually been already working with the Justice League movie on the reshoots in writing the reshoots mm-hmm. he's now taking over filming and editing the film together wow uh which i i know there's a lot there's you you never want somebody to have to walk away from a a project because of something as awful as what happened with his daughter but there is that little bit of side of me that's like guy made an awesome avengers movie let's can he it, Can he edit together a great Justice League movie? I kind of want, but, and that's the thing. Like I've seen actually a lot of blowback because people are like, "Oh, Joss Whedon coming in." It's like, no, like the Avengers movies were were great, and I don't know what to really expect from Justice League. But I just know Batman versus Superman left a lot of people like wanting. Same thing with Man of Steel. Like people came out of those with legitimate concerns. Just not only about where the DC Cinematic Universe was going, but just the handling of the character. Like, it's just needlessly dark. I mean, I don't think anybody was really clamoring for, to kind of get back to what we were talking about before, in our rated version of a Superman movie. Mm-hmm. 
that that's not something that should be at the top of anybody's list when you're talking about like, hey, what's going to make a great Clark Kent, Kal El, Superman? Like, have him be R rated. No, I, no, nobody wants that. So I, I feel like this is a step maybe in getting a little bit more of that levity that we need in the DC universe. Like, but if so much of that movie was already done and he's just working on, you know, like the pickup shots and editing, like the effect shots, like I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. And we're still going to wind up getting like Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think you're still going to get Zack Snyder's Justice League, but from what I heard, the reshoots are a little extensive, so much so it's changing the storyline. That's one of the things that I'd read before before the news of Scott Snyder leaving the thing, is that the reshoots were the studio wanting the story to change a bit. And hopefully that's maybe something to get the characters a little more right. Um, Because I feel like we were lacking in who Batman is. Batman's not using a gun to shoot somebody's face off uh, in the movie. And the tone of Superman completely in Batman versus Superman, I think, is completely wrong for what that character is. Yeah. Yeah. Because he seemed like at the end of Man of Steel, he was going to be that fun, that kind of more fun character when he knocks out the drone out of the sky. And he's like, hey, you know, I'll, I'm here with you, you need me. But you don't get to know where I yeah, hang, hang my, my hat. Cape, hang my cape. Was lying. See, I, I don't need like a fun-loving Superman, just someone that's a beacon of hope. And in Batman versus Superman, when like Congress blows up, he just looks annoyed and that's what really like sealed the deal in that movie for me. I was like, okay, this is this still isn't Superman. Like this is Superman that's just like and being just, put off by everything that's happening around him. And you don't see him like blowing out the fire. You don't see him like looking for survivors, pulling anybody out of the building. Yeah, he's no. just like, and then he, and that, and then scene, right? Yeah. It would. I, been, I haven't went went back to watch it again because no, like you, time. you don't need. To. <laughs> it would have been better for him. I mean, it would have. Man of Steel, mm-hmm. you have that moment where he has to kill Zod. And right. we all walked away from that saying, well, that's him becoming Superman. That's him coming to that point that he's never going to let another human life or another life have to be lost without him being that hero. Mm-hmm. And then you have that scene where everybody dies in that building and he's just like, moo. Yeah. It would have been better that scene of him realizing the bombs there and him moving towards the bomb. Trying to yeah. cover up that bomb. Maybe him actually saving everybody. It makes that scene in Man of Steel worth it that he tried to do something instead mm-hmm. of, like, realize it. Not move at super speed to save yeah. everyone, but just like, huh? Boom. Mm-hmm. And then him come out like, everybody's dead. Yeah. I'm going. You know? I'm a bathtub bone Lois. <laughs> <laughs> After killing a dude in, like, in, in the desert. In the desert. 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 Which, uh, weren't they hinting that was Black Adam, like, area? Like, oh, hey, man. Oh, fuck that. I, I think so, but I, I've never gone back to that movie, so don't quote me on it. But I, don't, I, I have the utmost faith in Joss Whedon and his skills, not just as a filmmaker, but also as a storyteller. I mean... I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, 
dollhouse, like Marvel Agents of Shield. Like I, I love consuming what this guy puts onto video. So yeah, you know what? Like the fact that he's more heavily involved in this, I don't, I don't want to say like makes me want to see this a little bit more, but it gives me gives me hope for the Justice League. And it's sad that this has happened to Zack Snyder. I mean, as much as I might not be like the biggest fan of his movies, I still think he respects and appreciates the comic book medium and he does what he does. Well, it might not be totally what I want from the movies, but I mean, Watchmen's like 300. Those are perfect adaptations. Uh, I just, I, I, there's a selfish hope for me that, 20, how many years down the line did we get the Richard Donner cut of Superman and Superman 2, the directors? Um, like, oh, like, 30. oh, yeah, almost 30 years. 30 years from now, we get we get to compare the Zack Snyder cut. Well, hopefully earlier than 30 years. But someday, we get the Zack Snyder cut that we then get to compare and contrast. And then be able to sit there and be like, oh, good. I'm glad we got the Josh Whedon cut. Or, ooh, that would have actually been interesting. You know, now I see where... Well, the Zach rated R Batman versus Superman movie where it's I not like didn't... clunkily edited. That's the one like you talk to somebody like, man, Batman versus Superman was so bad. And they're like, oh, I, I thought it was actually pretty good. And then you're like, well, what did you see? Oh, I saw the DVD, the uncut, ver- you know, the. Are you saying we have to go back and no, watch it? No, I, I honestly do not need to see that movie I think, again. I think we need to watch uh, this director's cut. the road cut of X-Men, what was it, Days of Future Past? Oh, we need to go see that, too. The road I, cut. Yeah, I don't think we so. Need, we need to sit around like a bunch of emo kids just watching all these cuts. Let's let's do that as a not episode. And <laughs> Most proud whenever I get Chris to laugh. <laughs> you, you, you didn't, though. Yeah, he was just rustling around. Oh, I thought that was, <laughs> was a rustling I noise. I back into my couch. Oh. <laughs> I was the same way. I was like, he's not laughing, he's rustling. Oh. <laughs> he was really, he threw his arm up like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it was like the end of Breakfast Club, and he's just like, <laughs> hand up the air. Yep. I'm going to nail the pretty chicken school. <laughs> and then it turns out, no. <laughs> no. Chris just became resigned to the fact that Paul's still on the show. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I don't remember what else we had. I'm sorry. Uh, we, uh, it's been a long day so far. No, uh, we were going to mention Roger Moore passing away. Um, oh yeah, one of the Bonds, the the most prolific of all the Bonds, apparently. Even though I don't think I've seen any of those movies. The, his Bond movies were kind of more the the fun ones. Hmm. Octopus. They weren't as serious. What was the one with the end of the moon? Moonraker. 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 Um, when they go to the moon. The one with moon in the title? <laughs> Moonraker? Um, no, his were kind of... He was kind of more like the smarmy Bond. Mm-hmm. There's a, I always feel like a little bit more humor in it, and I think um, that's really what brought us... I mean, if we're going to be talking about cinematic legacy, what brought us the Mike Myers-Austin Power movies... Because Austin Powers is basically just the Roger Moore James Bond with more fart jokes. And eating shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, and scabs. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed um, the Sean Connery yeah. Bond, I think, the most. Except, except for, for the for one what, where he becomes Asian for a little while. I don't remember that one. Go, 
Yeah, nobody lives. Uh, you only die twice, I believe. Yeah. Well, there's the one that is like not actually like a Bond movie where he creepy. came back to play Bond for like another studio, and oh. he's not called like Bond. That one, I think that one's like from Russia with love. No, from Russia with love is great. That was that's probably my favorite of them because the the Russian villainess slash Bond girl is. But one of them really is cute. not uh, not an actual Bond. It's movie. not an actual Bond movie. And then Pierce Brosnan, and then uh, this the start guy. the start yeah. of Pierce Brosnan, Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Come on, like that's the best one. And then yeah. the one after that, you're like, okay. And then after that, it's awful. I don't think I've seen those. Because it was, great. what, Tomorrow Never Dies after yep. Golden? Uh, so, with the, I don't remember the one after I that. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Come uh, on. The, the World Ends With You or whatever. No, no that's a DS game. Uh, there's like 80 Bond yeah. movies. It's hard to, <laughs> there, but there's I so many. I think there's like 38 of them now. Never it's say, hard to keep them on track. Never Say Never Again is the one that he came back to do where he's it's not an actual James Bond movie I think alright well we got a lot of dead air as we're all looking frantically at James Bond movies that have nothing to do with Robert Moore who died (laughs) So yeah, Diamonds, Roger. Roger Moore. Uh, see, I don't know. Diamonds Are Forever was his last real James Bond movie, mm. and then ten years later he came back. Twelve years later he came back to do. Uh, you know who might be coming back, and also for board gamers, uh, people might be very excited because this this pack from Marvel Legendary, the uh, board game, the cooperative board game, is going for like hundreds of dollars, even though it's. You know, MSRP retail is like twenty dollars. Is Marvel Legendary Fantastic Four? Uh, this went. Hey, you of- remembered news. I thought huh? we were done. You remembered huh? it. I did remember it. Uh, Upper Deck, who's the publisher of Marvel Legendary, said that they could not reprint the Fantastic Four expansion with the fan- You know, be so you would be able to play with the Fantastic Four characters in the game due to license controlled issues. AKA Marvel told us no. Uh, Marvel has now relented, and they're going to be reprinting this uh, highly sought-over pack, but it might only be highly sought-over because it's going for so much on the secondary market, which leads, you know, uh, at least Newsarama to believe that the Fantastic Four will be coming back after Marvel Legacy number one. Well, one of the one of the things that was very being speculated on the internet was that. They had to have worked out a deal with Marvel to be allowed for uh, so, uh, Fox. Fox to be working on all these X-Men TV shows that we've been getting. And with that, there was a deal struck that we never found out what the mm-hmm. deal was. But Fox has been trying to put out these shows. So in my mind, I think... You know, they said they're going to have what, like, sixty-three different superheroes in Infinity Wars all together. Mm-hmm. You got to think you're going to see the Fantastic Four in there. Yeah, I would hope. I think if they're going to drop that bomb, it would be in that movie. I, I want Marvel. I want Marvel to start hinting at it, though, like in the cinematic universe. I want little 
like remember how excited when we when we were watching the Incredible Hulk with uh you know uh, what's his name uh, Ed Norton Ed Norton Norton uh, Ed Norton uh, when he was talking to he was Mister Green on the computer and he was talking to Mister Blue and we're like oh it might be Mister Fantastic it would make so much sense and then it turned out to be the leader and we're like oh cock blocked uh, I kind of want little hints that they talk about the Baxter Building. I wanted, I would want, you know, when Stanley's spoilers for the cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two. Uh, Fast forward five seconds. 146 million opening weekend. I think pretty much everyone knows. Okay, uh, that he mentions that he was a letter carrier at the Baxter Building. You know, is that one of the no, end credits? I, I feel like that was a reference to him delivering the FedEx thing to Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah it's the end of. Uh, yeah, yeah. He mentions he was a FedEx. Guy, he doesn't mention he was, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. But at, at the same time, like Willie Lumpkin, Uatu and the Watchers. I mean, they're very closely related to Fantastic Four. So who knows? Like that in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, Ego was originally with Fox as well, and they part of the deal they worked out with Fox to be able to get Ego the Living Planet. Uh, so yeah, I think if you're gonna oh, see watches. them, it would be there, and I think they don't. They're probably not going to announce casting. They're probably not going to announce anything. It's going to be that thing that you see and you're like, oh, fuck, they did it, you know, kind of a thing. And I put my arms out to brace the people next to me being like, oh, God, they got it, guys. Like, the only people you need to brace, I think, is me. (laughs) And Chris would be like, fantastic for I thought thought they were going to do it. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to Captain Marvel. <laughs> I tried not to pay attention to Captain Marvel, so I knew all about everything else. Basically. Basically. That's how it's going to work out. It's like, it's like how Daredevil is. You know, you lose your sight, but then you gain all the other senses. So you stop paying attention to one movie, and you learn all about all the other ones. You so, stop yeah. paying attention to that, and you start paying attention to all the books coming out June 7th. And hey, guys... What do you think Paul's looking forward to? Uh, with all the hype that the Wonder Woman movie is getting, I'm excited for another Wonder Woman. Uh, I think this is a one-shot. I'm hoping it's just a one-shot because the price point is $4. Uh, Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor, number one. Uh, this is going to look back from their budding friendship on the, you know, when Diana saves Steve Trevor on the shores of Themyscira all the way up to present day. Uh, is this in current continuity i guess because they met through like the justice league right she was like his not after rebirth <laughs> okay <laughs> all right <laughs> we've we've been i didn't know anything changed but don't, okay yeah. but don't worry about continuity john <laughs> Con- sorry is, guys this is not the continuity you're looking for oh. <laughs> you know rebirthed uh, this is says Wonder Woman has saved Steve Trevor from dying on the shores of Themyscira. Their both their lives changed, and this special issue learn about their tumultuous partnership these two have had over the years, and get a glimpse into what's coming in the future. Uh, written by Tim Seeley, who we enjoy, uh, guy from Hackslash, which I know Chris enjoyed, and mm-hmm. he's done fun book. He's done books that I think we've read on lookbacks that I'm like, oh okay, I, I can see why people like them. So. Uh, I'm going to give this a shot. You know, I, I enjoy uh, Wonder Woman, and hopefully this is a cool, like, uh, odd couple kind of partnership, you know? 
Like where they see moonlighting, almost. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Overboard. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn and older. Overboard. No, was it you that told me they were doing a remake of that? They're doing a, yeah, it was me, and um, yeah, they're doing a remake. Yeah. With the CGI okay. Kurt Russell from. It's going to be R rated, though. <laughs> it's going to be R rated. It's, no, it's, uh, it's a smash up with Who Threw Mama Off the Train. It's, it's all about be- people getting thrown off of vehicles. It's uh, uh, Star Lord's wife. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Oh. But the roles are reversed. It's the guy that loses his memory, and she takes advantage of him. Oh, that's actually. Uh, not as interesting at all. I don't really care. Because uh, I've never watched Overboard. I like that he's like, uh, when Star-Lord and Kurt Russell were, like, they were doing publicity together, mm-hmm. and they mentioned it, and he's like, yeah, my wife's doing it. And then Kurt Russell's like, yeah, they're making a reboot make. I think it would have been better, and it's only because what's-his-name's really trying to do a great, Star-Lord's really trying to have a great movie career now, that he's like, yeah, I'm not going to slum it and do a movie with, like that with my wife. <laughs> I got better fish to fry. Hilarious. I'm huge. I'm huge box office. She was in the 90s. Anna Ferris, isn't she the one in Moms? The yeah, I think that show, show got canceled. Oh. Hmm. But you know what isn't canceled? The book that Chris is looking forward to. I threw it to Chris uh, because you were ready to talk, John. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to a new-ish number one coming out from over at Oni Press, and this is Courtney Kremen number one, and this is a special $1 issue to kind of introduce you to this character and her world. We've talked about Courtney Kremen on the show before. We did one of her um, books for the trade and policy a couple of years ago. If you dig through the archives, you can probably find it. I like that um, book. It's it's a fun book written and drawn by Ted Nefa. Uh, it's a story about a weird little girl who goes to live with her weird uncle in a boring town, and her uncle just turns out to be a warlock. And you learn about all the crazy things going on around her. Um, this book centers on a new girl in town, Holly Hart, who, after coming to school the first day, everyone's like, oh, Courtney Crumb, she's the weird girl. And Holly's about to learn about everything firsthand. I highly recommend this book. It's all ages, really fun, dark, kind of creepy storytelling. If you got a kid that's into like weird, goofy things like bats and zombies, like they would probably eat this book up. Yeah, if he's a Halloween kind of kid. Uh, yeah, yeah I, it, it's a great. I love it. It's a good. It's a great series. Uh, it's one of those ones when I was looking through my thing and when we were pre-showing, Chris is like, "Oh, I got to find a book," and I was like, "Hey, Courtney Kremen, there's a." one dollar issue out um because i knew that you would enjoy it because i enjoyed it it's a it's a good series and everything else i was looking forward to is basically just green lanterns or nightwing this week right uh but john since you gave me a book there there has to be something that you kept for yourself uh i did and this is going to be vader number one this is not vader middle management that we got before this is kind of the rise of Vader. This is written by Charles Soule, art by uh, Giuseppe Camacoli. Oh, um, I want to say that's the artist that did the Anakin and Obi Wan book. Okay, I might be I might be wrong, but so <laughs> this is the this is no longer Anakin, the man who killed his wife, lost his children, lost the higher ground. This is the man right. <laughs> this is the man right after that. Uh, this is post slab. 
Yes. Uh, this is Vader taking his first steps in the dark world of being a Sith and what he has to do for uh, Dark Sidious. Is this like at the beginning? Dark Sidious. Remember how excited we were when we were watching X-Men First Class and that opening scene? Uh, of one, Magneto. I don't think we were ever really that excited. Uh, no. Magneto, Nazi Hunter? Oh, Nazi Hunter. Okay. Uh, is this Darth Vader, Jai Hunter? Uh, hopefully. I know, being as cool and badass mm. as he was at, spoiler alert, at the end of Rogue One. Uh, Which th- was done in reshoots. Oh, see? Oh, Joss Whedon, you can make such a good movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think... I think this is a great spot. I, we we have spoken very highly about almost all of the Star Wars stuff that Marvel has put out. They got the right people on these. Charles Soule seems like he's been doing a lot. I think he's doing of the eighty Star of Wars. them. Yeah, eighty of those books. Um, so yeah, I'm no, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I, I, I don't remember if I said this on the show or if it was like pre-show one day, but when I worked at the Star Wars convention, um, I actually had like a brief couple moments to talk to Mike Sinclair, who's the head of like the Lucasfilm Publishing. Oh, and I was talking to him about the Star Wars books. I was like, oh my god, like they've all been so great, and he actually said. Charles Soule came in with a pitch for Darth Vader that we absolutely loved. He's like, it's the best thing that we've done in any of the Star Wars comic books so far. Looking forward to it. So So, so that that was a blurb that made me just be like, okay, I I will look forward to this. Uh, And before we get into dramatic reading, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm almost done with my second beer for the show. I I only had this one because I drank the rest Mm. of them. That's fine. Uh, Paul, why don't you go into this? This is, uh, we bo- I bought a four-pack, and John, I assume you bought a four-pack since yeah. you brought your own. This is another one of those XPAs from Woodcock Brothers. Uh, listeners outside of the greater Niagara <laughs> Buffalo region, we apologize. You will never get this. Who doesn't have John as a connection? Because that's how Paul has gotten all of these beers. That's true. And also your dad. Uh, <laughs> Still my connection. Yes. Paul. Yes. Because he wouldn't have bought it just for me. Again, this says it's 6.5% AVB, but maybe it's just the label that they just keep on using because they're a very, very small brewer in uh, Wilson, New York, which is now falling underwater. From Well, the, the town of Wilson, because Lake Ontario is drowning them. But uh, this is their experimental series. This is their 12th version. 12.0. Uh, and each time I have this, I like it, and I it automatically blast out what I just had from them and all the other XBAs before. I'm like, wow, this is nice and piney and resiny. This is really good. Uh, What was the last one again? Don't remember. Well, 10 and 11, which were the last ones Mm -hmm. we had, they came out at the same time. Those had that big pilsnery malt to it Mm. that really had that they were very different IPAs from what we had gotten before because they did a Mm -hmm. super dank one, they did a big citrus one. And this is kind of a, I think it's like a combination of all of those. You have that big citrus, you got the citrus on the nose, mm-hmm. you got that citrus in the flavor, but it still has a resiny drying the mouth out, yeah. not from the Pilsner malts anymore, but with uh, the with. hoppiness of it. Um, and just, you know, because we and I, I like to talk about it every time, is this one, the... This one is not my favorite. But that's what I always say whenever I have another one. <laughs> this one, uh, are... as someone that has listened to you talk about all of them, I will say yes. <laughs> yeah. That is the thing that you have said. This is uh, Citra and Azeka, and also the Azeka. New... As 
Azeka? 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 A-Z-A-A-C-A. Okay, I always... Okay. No, no, I like that one. Because yeah, I like remember Azeka, Founders. That's the founders, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. they, it's, It kind of yeah, gives you that tropical-y fruitiness. Mm-hmm. And then the newly renamed Equinox. Uh, no longer spelled like with a Q U kind of equinox. Now it's E K U A N O T. I don't like it that. It still spelling. says it's That's still bizarre. it's still equinox, but it's not the same spelling. I don't know if it is a deviation hop, of the plant. Yeah, something like that. But it is. I remember reading an article saying like that the former spelling of this no longer. That's no longer it. This is the new. Spelling of that. Did somebody trademark the word Equinox? Did Chevy say, no, Uh, I don't want people getting confused between buying beer and buying our cars. So therefore, we own the licensing, the trademark to Equinox. Yes. Yeah, that's what happened? I don't know. That spelling. Uh, But you think there'd be a difference between, hey, they put a car in this beer? (laughs) You know? (laughs) This beer's brewed with cars. Hey, look at all! Try it. Hey, look at all these cars in this beer. Uh, it's an enjoyable. I'm getting ripped on cars over here. <laughs> I'm writing that one down. Getting ripped on cars over here. Uh, I'm just saying things. Things are screwy. You know, you never know with naming. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I, it's every time I have this beer, and we do, and we've we've talked about this, mm-hmm. like trying to rank all the ones we've had. We don't remember what they do. But this is a good IPA, which I have to say is what we've said about all of them. They're all great drinking beers. These, <laughs> like Kapal's wife, I don't know if you can hear him, but I, I, on the outside of this room, all I hear are crazy sound effects coming from her. And she just hit one of those things, the door stopper, the and it was like, <laughs> so, those are the only door stoppers I buy, because I love them. There's so much fun to hear. Oh, they're so much fun. Uh, but they're always great drinking beers. Like, this is perfect for we're in a small little room mm-hmm. with the computer running, shut in here. It's getting warm, and this beer... Are you guys see a, a cucumber <laughs> cream ale? It's getting warm. It's like over 70. It's like 72 in degrees yeah, in here. It's warm in here. I'm starting to I'm starting I'm to just saying that because... Chris is sitting in 90 degree. Well, he's, he's got AC. probably running an air conditioner. Yeah, come on. my AC on. You're like 72 in here. Uh, but, I mean, it's getting warm in here, and it's a great, I mean, it's a crushable IPA. And that's the thing that we've been going after the most lately, I think you and I, Paul, is that the crushability of these beers. And I think this is good. I think it's got a great flavor. I'm glad I have three more of these. Um I always like sitting on them for, I mean, these, we bought this on Friday. Mm -hmm. They were canned on Thursday. It's Sunday. They're three days old. I always think they start tasting better after two weeks, Hmm. a week. Like, you start getting a little more flavor to it. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to enjoy drinking these in the next couple weeks. Well, next time we get together for a podcast, we'll have another one to go. You know, that'll be about three weeks from now. Uh, (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) It's been a while uh, since we podcasted. We we recorded two episodes yeah, in the beginning of the month, so we've only really should have missed like maybe one, maybe two weeks. Yeah, we missed one because the last one came out on May 14th because I actually yeah. just looked today to see how long it's been because it seems like it's been a long time, but it's because we recorded a bunch in succession. Um, but next week, Paul, we got some single – we'll have some single cut to drink. Ooh. Ooh. 
Let me know when it comes in so I can go to the store and spend some money. I always let you know. I know. I let you know when this came in and I set it aside for you. That's right. I didn't actually. I did not prompt you for like because most of the most of the time I say, "Hey, anything good good come in?" And then you're like, "Oh, let me check." And then you're sending me a message or like, "Nope." Yeah. I'm like, oh, I, right. and I, when it's something I know that you would like comes in, I let you yeah, know. Yeah, let me know. I appreciate it. This podcast inspires me to drink. Like, after we finish, I want to go to the beer store and just, like, see if there's anything new on the shelves. Mm -hmm. Much like, it sounds very traumatic for you, our traumatic, much like our traumatic reading today. Oh, man, I don't have it listed. And now, a dramatic reading from Vampirella, number one, page 22, panel. Four. Ooh. <laughs> That's John, by the way. That is not me. It's a, I love it. It's a woman, and then it's like, ooh. It just hit me so. I was not expecting that voice. I'm sorry. Continue with your dramatic reading. I apologize. That was it. That was it. Nobody heard it. All, all we heard was John laughing. John exploding. Did you want to try to go one more time? No? No. 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 And that was a dramatic reading from Vampirella, number one, page 22, <laughs> panel four. I didn't even hear it. I'm sorry, Listen, people. I just, I just heard the, ooh, like he was good to macho, macho man Randy Savage. <laughs> I, I did not know what to expect from this panel. I've never read a Vampirella book. Me either. Uh, Until now. I saw, I saw the panel. It's a woman. I'm guessing she might be a vampire. She's she, Vampirella. That's her. That's her? Okay, she has short hair, and I don't see all of her boobs, so I wasn't sure. Uh, but then the, the word balloon just says, I'm here to wreck your world, and I read that as Macho Man in my head, and I was like, that's the only way I can actually bring this line to life now. I got you through three minutes of bleak time. Listeners, I'm sure uh, sometime in the future you can go to our website, bagnaboard.com. I really hope so. I miss doing the show notes. And, I like and, having them there. Yeah, and find this panel so you can read it in whichever voice you want. Or just go by Vampirella number one. No, don't. Did. I know. It's written by Paul Cornell, but you, I'm sorry, Paul Cornell. It's Vampirella set in the, a very post-apocalyptic future. Like with space travel, and most everybody is already undead or dead, and it's just—I don't get it. It—it—it it, it just wasn't good. And there's a lot of like, oh, we're we're pushing the line, and they have a bunch of like, oh, censored, censored, censor bars, and it's like, why even bother? Then just don't do it. Don't pretend like you put something there behind that censor bar. Just don't. So I don't know. It wasn't. It was overly over the top and crass and but like trying to play cheeky that it's being crass with the sensor bars and I just didn't enjoy it all that much. There's my review for Vampirella number one written by Paul <laughs> I was going to say like, I, I don't think we did that one for a uh, No, back, so. I did not want to put you guys through that because I'm a good friend. Paul, thanks for vamping while I was out of the room washing our glasses and bringing our next beer in. Hey, but with, it actually brings us to our main topic. Chris, you brought us this. Yeah, I, this, uh, I brought this policy. one to the proverbial table. Do you want to talk about your beer first? No, 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 we'll, no we'll do it halfway through. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, 
like I said up at the beginning of the show, this is actually Marvel Comics Vision Volume Number One, little worse than a man, and this is issues number one through six, uh, written by Tom King, art by Gabriel Hernandez Walta, and this is telling the story of Vision as, um, as that typical suburban dad. He's always been on his quest for normalcy and what it means to be human. So he decides to settle down and start up a family on uh, on his days where he's not working with the government. So he's created his own uh, wife, Virginia. He has twin kids, Vin and Viv, and this is their this is their story about you know what happens behind those white picket fences when you're a family of synthesoids. Yeah, you know, and I you, you have because your name is Vision. And you're a virtual intelligence. You have to name everybody with a VI start, which I'm guessing mm-hmm. is a rule. Um, didn't he have kids? Doesn't he have? I'm so he confused. had kids. He had kids with Scarlet Witch, Witch. but then when uh, House of M and all that stuff happened, it was like, oh, they were creations of the Scarlet Witch because you're a fucking robot. How do you impregnate a woman? No kids. They don't exist. They disappeared. But Young Avengers happened, right, Chris? And there is the kids. Yeah, Young Avengers. Yeah, and they were they were really brought to life through. I don't. But but that is it does. It's it's Marvel. It doesn't matter. But they are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But they are his her kids, and then it it's a factor of his kids. I don't think there's really much tied to the vision with them. Okay. Um, But we actually talked about issue number one for this a while ago, and we didn't really care for it. But in the months that followed, I heard a lot of really good things about this book. And I think maybe, like, we just weren't in the right mind frame to read it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, personally, I know when I read the books for the look back, I tend to just marathon reading everything, like, one after another. Mm -hmm. So I chalk this up to the fact that, okay, you know what, maybe maybe I just sandwiched it between a couple other books, so it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Because um, what really sold this book to me was an episode of uh, Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show with John Suntress, where he was actually talking to Tom King about this. And just hearing them discuss it made me be like, wow, I, I want to go back and take another look at this book. I picked up this trade on Comixology. It was on sale um, for like four ninety nine because I think it's been nominated for an Eisner or it was, it was nominated for something so it was, it was part nominated of like, across the board for every comic thing ever yeah and what really sold to me was the fact that it was like referred to as being almost like a Twilight Zone uh, outer limits type read it's not so much a superhero book as much as it is like something kind of more in that outer limits vein uh, so that's kind of the filter that I went through and read this book as. And I enjoyed it a lot more looking at it that way than I feel like you did, John. Uh, yes. I actually, I remember us reading and us not liking this for the look back. When I was reading that first issue again, I was like, I don't remember any of this. And also, when I was halfway through the first issue, I was like, I gotta be halfway through this book by now. And then I looked and I was like, oh my god, I'm not even done with the first part of this book? Oh. Uh, I feel like I did not not connect with this book. I think at the 
end of this trade where the cliffhanger hangs off was the part where I was the most like, okay, I think now mm-hmm. I'm ready to see where this goes. It seemed like way too much setup. If that first issue ended with the cliffhanger that the trade ended with, I think I would be more interested in this book. All right, listeners, uh, this is a review of the series, <laughs> so spoilers will happen. You don't need to dance around what what happens at the end. The cliffhanger is that the Vision is willing to lie for his own wife that he created, which is weird, uh, in order to save his family, and now is basically covering up a murder. A couple murders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Several murders. Well, now, so two... Wait, how many? Two. Uh, I'm well, pretty sure Vision's wife killed those kid. kids. They killed, She killed the kids, too. I think so, because they had, like, that spray paint, like, rolled into the corner of the grass, and she did grab that kid and slam his face into the garage door. I thought she just hit him. Uh, I thought here's the thing. Hey, away. I'm a little kid. Yeah, I was spray painting this. My face is destroyed. You don't think the cops are showing up? Yeah, that's true. Probably. Probably, uh, he's covering that up, too. And At what point do you that, just move? And just that, move! And that dog, he... they, The dog died, and he made a robot dog! Oh, that's... That. And she's also responsible for the death of that other kid in Viv's class. I also like, think, too, no, if he, he needed, shot If her. he needed Yeah, a, but he shot, <clears throat> like, through Virginia and killed <clears throat> his kid. Like... Yeah. She's responsible for that. She That's the at sh- least no, no, no. And then because if you're sh- at a shooting range, you have to know what's behind your target as well. But the kid, but was you just are responsible. Down the like he didn't know the kid was there. You, no, you are always responsible for knowing what is behind the object that you're shooting at. It's kind of like in hockey, yeah. where no matter, yeah, you had, you had a high stick. You weren't, you didn't know that the kid, that there was a person behind you, and you hit him with your high stick. It doesn't matter. You are ultimately responsible for what you hit. Yeah, but Virginia phases through like he was aiming like directly at her face. Right. I'm shooting at uh, my turkey decoy on the shooting range. I don't realize there's a kid uh, walking behind behind the turkey decoy and the backstop that's up. But ultimately, I'm responsible for hitting that kid with a bullet that went through the turkey decoy. Or missed the turkey. Or missed the turkey decoy, hit the kid, and not the backstop. <clears throat> like, that, there is legal precedence for that. And, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm nitpicking on that, Chris, and I'm sorry. But my name is Paul, and it's nice to be on the show still. Thanks for not kicking me off. <laughs> I'm pulling out about this topic, well, and it doesn't matter. See, well, it doesn't matter. Where this book really started to get me, it's not so much that, like, his family's doing, well, not even his family, but, like, his wife's doing all this terrible stuff. It's the fact that Vision is kind of justifying his actions and covering it up because he, I'm the Vision. I'm a member of the Avengers. I've, I've saved the world 37 times. Like, you, you gotta crack a few eggs. Like, this is okay for me to cover up. I can hide this. But even the overarching narrator, the narrator, who I'm never sure is who's narrating the story. Until the end, it's the woman. It's that woman who's talking to the big group of superheroes at the end of the book. Oh. She's the narrator. Yeah, she's uh, letting Ag- them, Agatha Harkness. She's oh. letting them know mm-hmm. everything. And that's that's one of those things, too, is 
to me, if I had found out in the first issue that it's her telling that story to those guys, mm-hmm. I would be more interested in why we are getting... And then the kids went to school. And then mm-hmm. you see the kids going to school. And this is something that Paul and I talked about when he was buying XPA, because I said, oh, we're doing Division. I got to. I still have to read that. And Paul said... This is what you and Chris hate about reading comic books. It's that I pick. It's the describing of what's happening and then showing what's happening mm-hmm. from those word balloons. I'm like, this is exactly what you guys complained about with uh, everything Phoenix. you pick. Yeah, everything I pick. <laughs> I was going to list everything well, see, I pick, I, but it's easier. I, I feel like not to have double standards about this kind of thing. I feel like it fits more in place with a book like Vision, where it's basically a robot-slash-android story. Everything's being spelled out and told to you very logically as you're seeing it. Like Whether you think it's Agatha Harkness, as you find out at the end, telling the story or not, it's you can read this as just, oh, everything's being spelled out to me as it's happening because this is very robotic. It's very cookie-cutter-like. Yes, and then the kids go to school, and you see the kids go to school, because that's literally how Vision and his family talk to each other, where they don't even need to talk, because they're all basically the same creature. Like, they know what's in each other's minds. Yes, but then they do have debates between each other. Yes and and no. Yes, uh, it's their interactions being told... Or their interactions being very robotic, uh, the conversation about um, using they are kind or they're nice or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like that. I like that little play on words and everything. Mm -hmm. But then the word bubbles are also being told very robotic. And if it's Mm -hmm. this woman who's almost in a way, in ghost form, frantically kind of telling the Avengers about what is going on. It shouldn't be as robotic. But she's reading now. Now here's the thing: if you go back and you're reading it alongside what Vision and his family's doing, maybe that's just the tone that you're associating with it because you're reading it in that stilted manner. Like, I, I think this is probably one of the best things that comic books can do: is you're maybe just reading it in vision or viv's voice because like yeah we're watching mm-hmm. the visions play out everything i've uh, and then may- oh. maybe going back and then rereading it in that different like voice or tone will have a different impact on it and i think that's kind of a cool way to look at this book i have uh you know had to write up a few incident reports at the office for injuries that happened and you have to write those things up very robotically just matter of fact uh, so-and-so got into argument with so-and-so. They were going out for lunch. Uh, things, uh, uh, the argument apparently escalated, like, leading to so-and-so biting so-and-so's nose, causing blood to be, uh, causing uh, broken skin, and uh, the, uh, the injury causing blood to be, uh, to uh spill onto this this and this it's all situational it's not personal yeah and it's a freaking person biting a nose off of a woman like two people arguing and a nose gets bit and that happened at your office oh my god where do you work it sounds like it's monstrous (laughs) 
And then me having to go out with the Bloodborne pathogen kit and cleaning Ooh, pee, pee, pee. and uh, having to clean blood off of another woman's car. Because she's like, I was going to go to lunch and I'm not sure what's on my car. And I'm like, oh, snap. I know exactly what that is. Hold on a second. I'll come and get you. <laughs> Wait five minutes. And it's, yeah, it's all a matter of fact because that's all you can do. I, I, you can't put any person. I, I, so I, if it's a report, it's, yeah, okay. it has to be robotic. I understand that. Uh, and I didn't think it was one of the visions doing this report. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very clear about any time they have the dialogue and everything, they kind of show a different color scheme for each person, and it's usually a greenish hue. And oh, all so the, the word bubbles, all the word bubbles are in purple. So I figured it's somebody outside of this, and you're kind of getting this story through like a report, right. especially when they're like it's you know uh, first couple pages, like when the the visions move into this. Washington suburb, and these neighbors come to wish them, you know, hell, you know, welcome to the neighborhood. And then it's like, and that's when Vic, you know, later on, Vic will burn their house to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like I, okay, this is an outside report reporting in, but it just seems like stilted. Yeah, and where this book left off, having had read this throughout the day on Saturday. And that was, like, on my lunch break, on a break, when I got home. Like, I wasn't I wasn't trying to bullet through this book, especially on my lunch break, reading it, going, I need to take my time with this book. But at the same time, it is like, I mean, uh, my half-hour lunch, which by the time I got my lunch, I ate, and then I sat and read this, I had maybe, like, ten minutes, and then I'm almost halfway through the first issue and I'm like, oh my god it took me ten minutes to read this I don't think this is a bad book I think it's the most one of the most different books that Marvel has put out in a long time, I think Tom King did something very outside the box while writing a vision book and I think that's where a lot of the praise gets, and it's like, hey, this is a Marvel book? This does not feel like a Marvel book. Yeah. And it and like you said, it is taking like a supernatural, you know, close encounters, you know, not not close encounters, uh, uh outer limits. Outer limits and that look on this character and this character doing these things. And then the fact that what he does, how his son is getting super creepy how his wife just keeps murdering people. Like, it has it has this... How his re- daughter goes through some real tra- trauma. Yeah. Her, yeah. First like boyfriend. Her only friend at school. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, when she gets severed in half. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think all of that stuff, when you look back at this book, it's like, oh, man. And going into the next volume, I think I would be... It was a really big build-up for me to go, okay, I'm interested in seeing what happens next. But it dragged. And when you thought something was going to – it was building to something, and then that something was going to click over, it yeah. just reset to zero. So it built to 10, and then it went back. And you would I, – I don't know. In a way, I expect more out of Vision. Mm-hmm. I expect him almost – almost more like 
Frankenstein having built Frankenstein's monster. He's built Frankenstein's monster with his family, and he realize and he sees what his his wife and his son mm-hmm. and everything has done. Yeah. And instead of being like horrified and what did I do, he makes them a puppy, and he well, makes them a puppy out of another dog that died in his yard. Which then makes me think: Did he build his family out of other humans that he couldn't save? If he needs a dog's brain to make a puppy, does he not need a human brain to make a wife, to make a son, yeah. to make a daughter? Are these people that in his past he couldn't save and has now, like, to elevate his own guilt, bring them back to life in this uh, synthesoid fashion? And also, I think the scene that's more telling about him not, like, being like, oh, this is an experiment that has gone wrong, I'm going to shut it down, is that he's willing to sacrifice his own life and do everything he can to save Viv. Like when she's on, when she's constantly rebooting, and then he goes in, and, and it's very and father-like. Like Tony Stark is like, "I gotta shut this down, dude," and he's, he's like, like, "Don't you, you shut that down? Down. down? I will kill you." Yeah. And then Tony Stark's like, "Everything's good here. I'm good. <laughs> How are you?" And that's where, at the end of this book, I'm okay. Let I I at the end of it, I I I'm like okay. Because, I read that second volume, but. For me, getting from A, which is the first page, to Z, which is the last page of this book, it was a slog. It was this build up and then drop. This very kind of almost a very blah story. But at the same time, when you look back at it, you're like, okay, I had to do all that work to get to where we are and to figure out everything. But it feels like... If they hadn't drawn it out so much into, what, five issues? Was it five or six for this? This is six. If they hadn't done that, if they the had... four? If they had... Uh, God, I really would rather it be one or two to really See, get I, this. Go ahead, Chris. I think if they had not... I don't say stretch it out, because I feel like this was all very plotted and planned. I think if they had whittled it down anymore... You wouldn't have had those moments between the family, like sitting around the table, just like talking about where they are and like what's happened throughout their day. And like that's really what's most off-putting about it is they're all doing terrible, terrible things, but then they still meet every day for dinner and talk about their days and quote unquote what they learned at school, even though they have all of the knowledge they would ever need handy. Like visions telling stories about what happened at work around the table. Like this this isn't normal, but they're going through the motions of it because this is what normalcy is supposed to be. And I think that's really the hook. And if you didn't have that, it would just be, oh, Vision made a wife, she's killing people, they have to stop her now. In a way, I I fully agree. But if they ended that first issue like it is with that woman, like they did with issue six with that woman saying, this is where everything went wrong, it would have hooked me more. Because at the end of issue one, if I was buying these in single issues, like we read the first issue for Look Back, I would not pick up issue two. If I read issue one and two, I would not pick up issue three. If I read issue one, two, and three, I would not pick up four. I would not pick up five. If 
I had to read all six issues like we did for this, then I would think about reading the next volume, the next volume, issue seven. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did not, I did not enjoy this. It was one of those things when you really think about it and look back, you say, okay, yeah, I, it is all those moments. There's all these moments that you're like, okay, that's really, that's really building up to something. And then it kind of like just Mm -hmm. drops and it doesn't keep building. And, it, it's not till that last issue when you see that this whole thing's a big clusterfuck. But even then, like, I would not buy the next volume. If Chris, Chris were to buy it, I would download it, but I don't know when I would sit down to read it. Yeah. And and here's the thing, because I was thinking, like, I really enjoyed this book after reading all of it, more so than just, like, reading the first part of it. Like, I feel like this is one you do need to really delve into and get all of the pieces of to finally be like, okay, yeah, like I, I want to read more, or no, I don't want to see any more of this, because it really is a sum of its parts. I don't know if I want to read volume two because I think it does work best through that lens of no, like Twilight Zone, like you're getting a weird story with an O. Henry ending, like mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like I feel like you can close the back cover and be like, wow, like that was a weird, cool story. I, I don't know if I want to see it continue on past that, but if I saw volume two for four or five bucks, I, I may pick it up, you know? Oh my goodness. And who knows? Maybe at that point I'd say like, Oh no, I was wrong to feel like that way. Like I, I do want a second episode of this. Uh, before we get into that, we're going to get, or before we get into my final thoughts on the book, uh, I just want to review this. This is stone. Enjoy after four twenty seventeen, which is a Brett IPA, uh, 7% alcohol by volume. Uh, this is a comes in a bomber. This is our sixth edition of this uh, series. Uh, it's recommended to age for at least one year. So, John, I've had this in my, my basement for a year. Uh, I had it f- almost for a year in my basement, and then I gave it over because this is something I bought for you for your birthday, um, right around four twenty. Because your birthday oh, was okay, your John. birthday was coming up, so you bought it for me in 2016. In okay. 2016, uh, and then I just held on to it in my cellar, and then I brought it over and to our cellar mm-hmm. here, uh, your place, because it was one of those things that I knew that we would drink at some time. I have a ranch, so my basement is large. It's I a large have, basement, so I can store some beer. Um, so we held on to it till we were it was ready to drink, and mm-hmm. now it being uh, June. So uh, I, actually, I feel like last year I had the Enjoy by 420. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's supposed to be super dank. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. I remember that. That was dank. It was, we did I don't, have, see, I don't remember them doing like a Enjoy After. Like I, Maybe I just didn't see it on the show. They do Enjoy Afters, uh, I believe, uh, 420. Uh, mm-hmm. They also do uh, 1031. And I think they also on occasion do... Um, they were the first beer that I aged with a vertical... Where they were releasing back before the you know teens of 2000, like they would release on 1101, 2202, 333. Those were their, those were the vertical epics that yeah. they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I uh, think I picked up what was it 7707? Yeah, or yeah, or 9909. Yeah, um, those were their vertical epics. Those were different every year. Um, and these beers are usually a little different every year. This one being a Brett IPA, 
you don't expect to age an IPA for a year. But this man, beer comes good. off uh, extremely Belgian-y. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that Brett IPA definitely I'm like it's, changing this beer. Um, it's on the cusp of being a sour, which is right in my wheelhouse for what I like in, in a Belgian-y. It's like if it was any more sour, it would be a sour. Um it would be a very light kind of sour, but there's a little sourness to it, but it's that, got all it's that. It's got a little bit of a tartness. This, to me, drinks so much like um, a Cezanne. Mm-hmm. But it's all that Belgian-y, it's, yeasty, it's, spicy. Yeah. And you know, then the tartness, just that little bit of tartness, that playful tartness, just, mm. When I look um, for a sour, I don't look for, like, for something that's a warhead. Yeah. Know, a sour warhead. I don't look for a Sour Patch Kid uh, to be popped in my mouth. I, I'm looking for... Just something with a robust fruit flavor with a tartness. Do we... We have two of these bottles. Mm-hmm. Do we wait another year, or... Chris, are you excited about drinking this? <laughs> I, I'd be willing to try it. I'm not the biggest fan of sours, but there have been some that... Whenever Chris makes I really liked with, up, um, we'll, we'll have it then. I... The, see, I, I would not... What was the one that we had from, from Perrin that I brought to you guys? It was like the Dr... Dr. Feelgood or something. Something like that. Love Joy, something like that. Yeah. Beer. I, the, I do not rope this in. To me, in my mind, when I taste this, I don't think sour beers. Okay. To me, I think Belgian Cezanne, uh, a mild uh, triple kind of a beer. Ah. I just get those big Belgian flavors, and when you like, when you say Belgian beer. Mm-hmm. This beer is what kind of hits me in my head, and I think, oh, it's gonna be flavored and taste like this. Um, so maybe kind of that tartness. I see everything you say, and I agree with everything you say, but that tartness on it puts it into a different category for me. It's it's not a sour. I'm saying it's not a sour, but that tartness there, it's like it's on that line of being between a Belgian and a sour. If it was. If it lost any tartness, it would be straight up Belgian. If it gained any more tartness, it would be a sour for me. I, okay, I can I can see it's walking a fine yeah. line. I can and I can I can it understand that it's there. Uh, that little bit of tartness there makes me think more Belgian than sour. But Belgians created sour, so mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we're in that. What did he just say? He said Belgians have sour. Belgians created sours. Oh, Belgians created sours. Uh, so those, those Belgians. No, can't trust. There's something else. Uh, I think this is a. It is a fantastic drinking beer. I wouldn't expect anything less from Stone. With something that they're saying is, take this beer, buy it, buy it for you know seventeen to twenty bucks. Sit on it for a year. Uh, We'll give you the exact way that you should store it, and then drink it a year later. So I think yeah. I think it, it, it works. Those enjoy buys, as soon as you buy an enjoy buy, you should drink it. You shouldn't wait. And I've had people that show up and be like, this says 1031 to drink by. Let's drink it on 1030 because we're hanging out. And I'm like, you've missed the point of this mm-hmm. beer. That is the point where it's going to be no longer recognizable. And 1031 was a orange citrus beer. And by the, I drank it fresh. We drank it on the mm-hmm. podcast, and then when I drank it at ten thirty or ten thirty one, I was like, "This is a shadow of what it was." You're 
you're missing the point. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to save it to drink to that day. Mm-hmm. It's you not s- drink on. Yeah, it's drink by. Like, as soon as it passes that date, uh, you shouldn't drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think this is really good. The Belgian is... Oh, good. For a second there, I thought you didn't like it at all. <laughs> no, I like this beer. I like this beer a lot. Oh, I like it a lot, too. He likes the belgian I like the belgian To me, saison of this beer. It's a little peppery. It's got a little spice to it. It's got a little tartness to it. Mm-hmm. But that's expected to me out of a Belgian. I'm loving how it's walking the line. It's, it is the man in black yeah. for me. It is great. And that's why I think, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know I, about... I feel like if you age it, it's going to cross the line either one of those ways and one of you will not like it anymore well i will i'll i can see myself liking it either way false on either side of those lines for me and i'm the only one saying it's walking a line john's like oh it's a belgian uh but i can see this aging and not being if it gets more sour i'd be happy with it because it might become one of my favorite sours ever yeah if it goes more if it loses that tartness and becomes more belgian and it's that still tartness, it's, it's going to still be, be a good. great Belgian. So I'm all right. So we'll we'll wait and try to put a, a memory memory box on this uh-huh. to the next time we see Ooh, Chris. Memory boxes. I, I'll get one out of the fridge. Mm. I have those. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind saving this for the next time we see Chris. Or if we're gonna go, if we're gonna go see Chris before he comes mm-hmm. back up, uh, I wouldn't want to take this on the plane. Because the I would try to. I think I would try to mail it to Chris. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, back to the vision, volume one. I'm su- yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts, Paul, because you really didn't give too much of it. Well, I'm surprised that you liked it as much as you w- did, Chris, because of what we talked about earlier, which is the whole, you know, the overarching how the story was told, with you know the word balloons describing what was happening. I'm like, oh, I remember Chris not liking this idea like he, but it, it's, it's just slow it down and he discussed that and you, you I, the idea is all it's all in execution though because mm-hmm. if i'm reading a panel of wolverine attacking someone with his claws and the the word balloon is wolverine attack the sentinel with his adamantium claws and then yeah. wolverine's thinking to himself good thing i have these adamantium claws to attack the sentinel it it comes off kind of mm-hmm. kind of wonky hokey and wonky and then again with it it's. I think they needed to give it room so you could go on the journey. Because if you were just to introduce, like, Vision covering up all these murders that were happening by his quote-unquote family, you're like, no, the superhero Vision that I know and love would never do this. It, 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 it doesn't make any sense. So you needed... I think you needed a few key scenes. You know, the him saving Viv, him getting... The, the family, the dog, which adds another creep factor in what what John was saying, to show you that this isn't, this vision is going on a journey that you might not be ready for, if you're a big fan of the vision from the movies, just wearing sweater vests and hanging out and cooking, following a recipe to the T. This is a different vision. This is the Dexter vision. Um, I kept on. I only watched a few episodes of Dexter, the Showtime show. John, you were a big fan. My wife was a big fan, hence why I watched a few episodes. I'm like, oh, his wife is Dexter. <laughs> he is Dexter. He's calculating, cold. He doesn't make those emotional connections. Uh, he thinks about those emotional connections. And and the story of the story of Dexter is a serial killer 
Oh. Uh, who is raised by a cop who sees that his son has these inklings to become a serial killer. And, and he's, quote-unquote, born in blood when he was a child. He lived through a massacre and was locked into, uh, like, a house full of dead bodies. And now he has this killer inside of him. And the police father teaches him how to cover his tracks and allows him to be a killer but only killing other killers. Right. So he's actually, in a way, doing good, but you have to do your homework. You can't just be a killer. You have to follow these rituals of tracking the person, making sure they're evil, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. i got to put up all the plastic before I cut up his body into little pieces, and then i got to bury those pieces in concrete and then put it at the bottom of the lake. Blah blah, you know. Yeah. So that way, no fisherman comes by and you know scoops up any kind of armor or anything, and then comes back to me. Uh, and I feel like that's where the vision this series might be going. Like it's the vision being knowing law enforcement, no, because he's worked for the government, he's worked for the Avengers, and like being able to cover his tracks for his family. But then you got this whole niche pit where, well, maybe the Avengers are onto him already, so he's already behind the eight ball. And what length is he going to go to to save this family that he created, which is all very weird. And that's where reading the second volume is where I would... It's the launching point for me liking the series, mm-hmm. is where this goes. Yeah. And it's this first volume is a slog to get through. It, it is difficult, but I think there, I think there is a Cliff Notes version of it that you could create. And you could get there, you know, if a little bit more than that first page Marvel, like, patented, like, here's the series recap. Like, if you were to buy Volume 2 and the first, like, two, three pages were a recap of Volume 1, I think you would be good to go. And the series could go someplace very interesting, very different. And it reminds me of when we sit around and talk about, oh, your dream scenario for this character like, this is kind of the outlandish story that one of us might pitch. And, like, we've pitched some crazy stuff before. And, and not, to, not to say that I'm completely crapping on this book. Chris, this is actually a pick where we've had, a, I think, the most interesting conversation of a book that we haven't really liked. Unlike the books <clears> that Paul picks, and both of us <laughs> are just like, no, Paul, you're wrong. It's awful. This one, I mean, I think even in me saying I don't like it, at the end, I'm saying I would read more of this, mm-hmm. where the experience of reading it is awful. <laughs> it's when you get the whole story together and you look back on it, you're like, okay, well, I had to go through that to get to the end point. And if I didn't go through all of that, maybe I wouldn't be ready for where it ends. It's kind of like that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like running a half marathon where you're like... <laughs> God, I hate that I ha- all the while that I was running that half marathon. But now that I've finished it, you know, I'm glad I did it. Uh, it happened. I, I will say Vision Volume 2, a little better than A Beast, is six issues as well. Um, it's the rest of the series because this only went for 12. It's ten ninety nine. I think Ooh. that's a little bit over the price I'd want to spend. Like, yeah, on its own, like six issues for like 10 bucks isn't bad, but... That's not bad at all, considering it's a I, Marvel I, trade. I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd wait for it to go down a little bit more and have it be like one of those impulse buys on a week where 
I'm only picking up maybe like one or two issues. Six or seven dollars, I think, is the maximum. And then even still, I would look at it and be like, "Ooh, there's six more issues of this to read," and that's that. It it, it is a difficult book to get through. Like as you're reading it, I think it is a slog. I think it is difficult to read. It's not enjoyable. Do you, now, do it's, you find it like difficult to read because it's just like weird and off-putting, or it's no, it's weird the way and off, it was written. It was okay. weird and off-putting, and it's slow. Like. Every scene is just a scene to set up the next one, and you're getting... Since it's being told by an outside narrator, it's not like I'm getting a lot of character insight. I'm getting what they're assuming the character is thinking. And and a lot of it is... Up until... Is, this is one of the greatest moments of his life, and you, you see that thing play out, and the whole time that, that one of those moments mm-hmm. of her life... And the thing that she constantly goes back and listens to and, yeah. and and does, you're like, okay. And But it's also being, like, overtold by the narrator about it. But then it has those moments like, this is something that she never told her family about. And, you know, maybe she would have if her life wasn't so short. Yeah. So you know she's going to end, and then they're going to dissect her brain and then be able to pull up that this was repeatedly constantly. So you're constantly being told the end of the story, and you're getting through the story as you're told the end. Like, you're told that the house is going to be burnt down. You're told that her life is short. You're told, you know, you're and told you're, a lot, and you're, to- and you're, you're, you're also told what those, what, what those people who are killed, their last thoughts are. Of. Which is weird. And, I mean, I think it wasn't... The end of this book made me want to read that. And then when Chris says, and I'm already thinking, I'm already thinking it, but when Chris says this is the Outer Limits, you know, Twilight Zone version of Vision, I see it a lot better. And I saw, like, while reading it, I see, like, to me, like, uh, it would have been more, to me, I would have enjoyed it more while I'm reading it if it was more of that, what have I done? And now I've done this, and now... This is why I have to protect them mm-hmm. or do these things. But because it's an outside narrator just giving those sides of those characters. So if it was a vision doing that narration, doing a narration, not the exact narr- narration, you might like it better? I, th- I, th- I think so. I, I, I it's, it's hard because I don't if, have that version because that version might not be it's, as It's good. tough, though, because, you know, maybe... Volume two delves more into that, maybe because yeah. we've already been kind of caught up to present with like the Avengers being notified of what's actually happening. Maybe, maybe now you do get more of that justification from Vision. Who knows? Because it feels like a character study for the Vision without the character stu- without looking at the character study. Yeah, of, like what the Vision is actually thinking. But you know, he saves time thirty-seven. Which I, I think makes it a little bit creepier too, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and the vision's been dead before. So that like, that could have been just like a actual piece that went in the thought process. Like you, maybe Tom King didn't want you to know what Vision was thinking because. And Tom King is it, not Stephen it, King. It loses son. something. No. Joe Hill. Joe. Oh, Joe Hill is Joe Stephen Hill. King's son. Tom King isn't. No. Uh, no. And I think in sitting here and doing this and talking about the book. I find I'm finding a little more appreciation, right? And I think and that, that's the thing I was that, saying that's, before. Like, I'm that's like, the thing. that's what led, led me to 
wanting to read the book again because like I heard people talking about it. I was like, oh, maybe it deserves a second look. So who knows? And I think that's what's actually nice about this pick is you can read it. And Paul and I both had the mm-hmm. same experience reading it. Yeah. It was a slog. We got through it for the podcast. I I got through it a week and a half ago thinking we were going to record earlier than we did. Yeah. So uh, now I'm looking back with it, you know, more even more so than just a day. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that, like, I mean, no offense to you, Paul, is like... I you're, thought you might like it. I thought, you know, it might be slow for you, but you might like it because you like that, like, creepy, like, it's going to turn the corner, maybe... Like, it's building tension, and but you're right. The tension builds up every issue, and, and then, then it just it starts back at zero, and then builds up with the tension again, and she kills somebody else, and then starts back at zero. Yeah, and I, it, 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 it was awkwardly paced, and then the writing style wasn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. But at the end, looking back upon it, I feel better about it than... I did while I was reading it, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing and I is, think that's that's maybe the charm of this book and the charm of having this conversations on a podcast about this versus, and again, like I was saying before, not offense okay. to you, Paul, but sometimes you, your picks, Habibi, Habibi was a incredibly traumatic time reading it, and it was a trade and policy that took like a year and a half in the making because <laughs> it took you a long time to read it mm-hmm. it took chris a long time to read it and then i was given like a day and a half to read it before we were actually said that we were going to read it that's the only way it got done <laughs> yeah it was we had to set that thing in stone but yeah. i as much as i disliked reading it and we crapped on it and uh-huh. we said it was a beautiful book and everything it's still one of those things that it stayed with me but it's also one of those stories that it's like, it stayed with me. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Superman stayed with me because I was like, fuck Paul and fuck this book. Superman, <laughs> birthright. Yes. Uh, and you have had different... There ha- Superman, let me rephrase that. Superman, birthright, which is like, everybody's on the internet is like, oh, if you're going to read a Superman origin book, you read like Superman birthright. That book birthright. took a shit on my soul. Uh... <laughs> And I mean, like, um, even, uh, what was the Jeff Lemire book that we read? Oh, uh, Essex County. Essex County. Essex yeah. County. I picked that up on my own to read because I'm a fan of of him. Jeff Lemire, yeah. And uh, even that, I was like, yep, uh, I'm glad I bought this for, like, $2 versus paying full price for it because I, I, I didn't like that book. And we've all had, I've picked trade and policies that we haven't liked and even I myself haven't liked. Not to say anything against Chris or a lot against you, Paul. It happens. Well, and not to say everybody against has... Chris. It's to say a lot against you, Paul. <laughs> but, every, but everybody has the right. Like those books connect. They stick with you. They, they and yeah. and they connect with you. And that's the thing is, you read something, and a lot of times we pick a book before we've read anything about it. Now the next pick for you and the next pick for me, you and I have had a conversation and read that first issue mm-hmm. and and. We're planning on those things, yeah. and it's a little different than Superman Birthright, which is we read a lot of hype about it. We're like, yes, we, uh, we need Essex to get County, and also Habibi, two creators that are like doing their own very personal. They're like, this is very personal for me. This is all me. Craig Thompson wrote and drew and basically got published through Top Shelf. 
you know, uh, Habibi and then uh, Jeff Lemire is almost self-published. It was his writing and his yeah. also through Top Shelf, I think. I think so. Um, with Essex County. Like, those were two very personal books. And from creators that all three of us love, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I have to give that a shot. And my next book... I actually wasn't... Uh, Craig Thompson, I wasn't... I had never read Blankets or anything from him before. So that was my first experience. I'll tell you this, too. I, I didn't read anything else from him. <laughs> Not even Blankets? I'll let that you was the killer. Blankets. That was the killer. I, I don't want to read that. Right. I can't blame <laughs> you for that. <laughs> it's kind of like looking at Volume 2 for The Visions and being like, yeah, I kind of want to read a synopsis. And be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's See, good. See, I would... I want to I notes. would no, I would read I would read that trade. And even when Chris said it was 10.99, I was like, "Hey man, they they charge you 17.99 for five issues." I, that, to me that seemed almost like a deal. Uh, <laughs> but also the the fact that it's I know I know the book now, so that second volume would be I think easier to read and I know what to expect. Um but that's the thing is is all these books we walk in and walk out of in totally different experiences. Whether we love it, we hate it, uh, and that's kind of the thing is we are coming into a lot of these things blind, and then we each walk away with a different experience from it. I think too, if I had known that Birthright from Superman was twelve issues, and I knew I had fucking twelve issues to read in a night. Uh, I would walk away with it with a little differently and try to read these ahead of time, which I do try. I've made <laughs> over over our years of doing these trade and policies. I've made these co- these moments where I'm like, all right, I need to I need to sit down ahead of time to do this. Uh, but those are my final words. Chris, do you have anything else to say or I kind of wrap it up? No, no everything's good. <laughs> Uh, if you enjoyed this, if you've been saying, hey, where have these guys been for the last few weeks, find us over on our Facebook page, find us over on Tumblr, find us over on iTunes, where we appreciate the rates and reviews. I'm not sure if we're on other podcasting sites, and if you can or can't rate and review us, but find us over there and do the same. We always appreciate it. It helps listeners find this podcast, and it uh, helps spurs us on. Uh, we do enjoy hearing anything from those people, and uh, thank you. <laughs>